Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, as seen on Jimmy Fallon, Conan, Chelsea Lately, MTV Comedy Central, the host of the Julian Loves Music podcast, Julian McCullough, and as seen on Jimmy Kimmel, Comedy Central, and in the new motion picture, Punching Henry, co-starring Doug Stanhope, Sarah Silverman, and J.K. Simmons, comedic singer-songwriter Henry Phillips. Thank you, gentlemen. That was wonderful. Did I get all those? That intro is fantastic. That was a really good intro. Thank you. And what's funny is your intro is so bad (laughs) because it's a recording of someone forgetting your name. Which is great. And then you give such great intros after that. It's like you're showing that you don't, you know. Well, I'm actually sort of humble bragging that I don't know if you caught this, Julian McCullough. There were like six people in the audience who didn't, who didn't know my name. <laughs> they did. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, the belly room was. Appalled. I didn't catch that part. I think it's just because I've seen that happen before, and it's just always such a. I was focusing more on the MC guy. Yeah. Well, I, also, I did it to somebody a week ago. So as the host, so goes around, comes around. You're, I, you're so new at comedy, though. That could have just been your family coming, because they're. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so new at comedy that I'm still not inviting my family. <laughs> this is this is the catch twenty two is right. that I don't want anyone to see me. How far you're like three years, right? Two, no, 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 no. I've been doing stand up. Well, I've been doing it for about a year. Oh, okay. But that is very often once, maybe twice a month. Wow. So if I was actually taking this seriously, I would have been doing comedy for about three weeks at this point. I'm I'm so old at comedy that my family refuses to come. I'll get to that point too. <laughs> hey, I, I got to tell you, uh, yeah. right on the same lines of that intro, there's a guy, Joe List. Do you know him? You guys know oh, yeah, Joe. I know He's Joe. Fantastic. Yeah. Name rings a bell. From but Boston. He, uh, he was uh, being brought up one time, and the host goes, Hey, man, uh, I'm going to bring you up. What's your name again? He's like, uh, It's Joe List, L I S T. And the guy's like, Okay. And he goes up, Everybody, give it up uh, for your next comic. His name is Joe Listaliesti. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite story about that. Italians is, play well in Boston. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Kurt Metzger is another comedian oh, yeah. who's fantastic. He wrote for Inside Amy Schumer and got in a lot of trouble for it and all that. Sure did. But he's he's great. And he came up in Philly, where I'm from. Uh, in the and Philly is most was mostly black rooms back then. So he <laughs> and he said there's something about the last name Metzger that like black dudes just can't say it. They just won't say it. Like they think they're gonna mess it up or whatever, yeah. so they would make up for it by just saying his first name a lot. They'd be like, "Ladies and gentlemen, put it together for you, this next guy, Kurt." <laughs> <laughs> that that tends to be my move when I'm hosting. What yeah, I yeah. what I lack in knowledge, I try to make up for in enthusiasm. In, in verb, yeah. yeah. I love those stories. So, uh, Henry, I'm I'm about halfway through the movie, and I'm really okay. enjoying it. And uh, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm my son has made it impossible for me to watch the entire motion picture. I'm looking forward That's to him quite all right. growing mm-hmm. up and leaving the house, so I can <laughs> go back to enjoying entertainment like an adult. In the movie, you play a um, like a struggling comedic singer songwriter. That's which right. Is, it's a stretch for you, but I think yeah, you, I think, yeah. You, I think you mainly pulled it off. Yeah. No, I think so. And um, 
I, I, something I found interesting about the movie is that typically, you know, you're when you're starting to write a screenplay, you want to have a, a guy, a protagonist who's up against these like insurmountable mm-hmm. odds. Mm-hmm. Yours is the rare movie where the odds are very surmountable. <laughs> you know, you just basically a guy going through life facing a series of mild annoyances. That's right. Well, you you write what you know. I mean, I've never tried to climb Mount Everest. That would have been a better movie, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we've I don't know. seen that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, but I, at the same time, uh, I think that those things resonate with a lot of people, especially like the stories where we just started this podcast talking about because there's a great deal of people that have experienced them and there's not a lot of people telling those stories in movie form, you know. And first and foremost, I just think they're hilarious, you know. There's just so many foot-in-the-mouth type things that happen or dumb career choices that we make that uh, hopefully will resonate beyond just the comedy world. I, I think certainly musicians have taken pretty well to it, and uh, pretty much anybody who's just trying to struggle in a ridiculous industry, which is what we have. What do you think it is? Why is the bar so much lower for musical comedy than for other comedy do you agree with well that? yeah yeah i mean you you probably saw in the movie uh in the first half of the movie um are you on minute 38 and I'm, 30 I'm about, seconds i'm about 43 okay cool because i know it all by a minute mm-hmm. um no we have uh my uh the the character of stupid joe who uh, yes. owns a comedy club called let's get retarded and or, no no it's, i'm sorry it's let's get guitarded that's his thing and he's a guitar comic and he does these parody songs like you know um instead of uh you know I can't fight this feeling anymore. He's like, I can't bite this penis anymore, you know. And the reality is, in my career, I've always been a, a guy who wrote songs and and played uh, original songs, and they have this sort of dry sort of delivery and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's difficult for any comedian to go after a guy who's singing songs that everybody knows and putting diarrhea, you know, wasting away in Diarrheaville or whatever. But it's especially hard for me, I think, because. I get branded as as I everybody gets kind of put in that same category. So if I don't do it, people get disappointed, and that's mostly what we're trying to talk about in the movie is how difficult that is to follow. Well, that's sure. that's a another person that because song parody is definitely like the the bottom of the. If you're a comedian, that's what we look down on the most because it's the easiest. Close to prop comedy. Yeah. Um, my, <laughs> There was a guy who used to do it. I, I can't even remember his name right now, but um, he used to do it so bad on purpose, but the delivery was so like um, over-the-top fun that it was yeah. like totally fine. He did um, uh, <laughs> Suspicious Minds by uh, by Elvis, and he would go, I'm caught in a crap. <laughs> and it's like, but the way he would go for it was like, I, I loved it. It was, yeah, it was making that, fun there's of a whole, bad it Yeah, is, that, there's know? a whole other element of more satirical, like you're making fun of the art form but what, itself. But what Henry does is amazing, and it's also wow. what Karen Kilgariff does. Oh, Very well, which is their, their original. Karen Kilgariff has the My Favorite Murder podcast, and she was uh, a head writer for Ellen, which she probably doesn't want people to bring up anymore. <laughs> and uh, but she's uh, Henry and her, I think, are the top two people oh, that do thanks. what they do, which is um, you know make an original funny song that you can enjoy in the moment. At on, you know, it's like it's incredible to be able to do that. That's way higher than what we do, I think. That's great, co- you know, uh, company. Yeah, she is fantastic. If anybody gets a chance. You guys mentioned before the show you crossed paths a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. yeah. We were at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland. 
Yeah, so 2014, uh, what is that, in July or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's in the summer Yeah, sometime. and uh, it's the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, which is fantastic. You know, it's amazing. It's an amazing group of, like, a whole bunch of great comics and full crowds, and it's Portland, it's, Oregon. Yeah, it's when you, you go there and you're like, maybe I should live here. And they're like, yeah, everybody thought of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're in their 30s and they're white, and there's a show yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's great. And so, uh, yeah, we did a show together. And then uh, at, during that time, I w- we were in the process of trying to get this movie off the ground. And we had a script, and we were doing readings. And then the next step is getting people attached. And I remember... Uh, that like was emotionally? A, that was a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting attached emotionally. <laughs> so we had a very specific conversation about how difficult it was. And that's that's the process that, that I'm going through. But it's And then it's, it's funny because it's out today. This morning, we're in the ago. elevator, and... Uh, and Julian's like, yeah, what's going on? It's like, well, that movie that we talked about three years ago, it's finally <laughs> out today. And um, do you still like? That's it? That's how long it takes. I I love it. I've I've seen it probably thirty times. Uh, I go to all the screenings. I'm gonna be if you guys see it in the movie theater, I will be in that movie theater. So, <laughs> no, I, I really enjoy it because you're you're watching something. There's a story behind every scene in there, and yeah. Um, but the. The process is like now I'm looking back going, well, how the hell did we just do this? Because I I remember it, it, you know, you're starting with nothing and it takes a very, very long time. And there's all kind I I can't even imagine. Well, I, I, I can't imagine with with an unlimited amount of money the way some of these movies have, you know, I guess probably Avatar or Star Wars or whatever. Then, then you can get stuff done. But I mean, the um, the process of of doing it, I, I look at a movie and I'm just like, it, the fact that anybody was able to make a movie, much less a good movie, because also when you have financing involved, you have so many different people that you're trying to please in terms of wanting to get their investment back. And mm-hmm. so you have to get, you know, bigger names, but you also want to make sure that those big names are people that are appropriate for the thing and that are good at it. And that's really pretty tough. I think having an unlimited budget can be and often is a creative impediment in its own way. I know somebody who's in special effects that was working on a, 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 I guess I could say it, a Will Ferrell comedy. Yeah. And there, and this hasn't been released yet. And spoiler alert, movie's going to put out two years from now has a small fire in it. <laughs> and, they, and because they have money, because this is a Will Ferrell what's, what's movie. What's the exact context of this fire? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me break down the whole third act for you. <laughs> Basically, the the special effects guy is on the phone uh, with the director through the night about this fire isn't funny the way that it's happening. Now, mm-hmm. if there were a tiny bit of fire over here and a slightly larger bit of fire mm-hmm. over there, that would be funny fire. And these are the sorts of that's a this great. Is, this is how the Chinese democracy example. got made. Yeah, 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 yeah. That what you mean the album? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Chinese democracy as a political oh, yeah, institution. Unlimited. We're still waiting on that. <laughs> that's a great example because like, and, and it's hard to communicate. Like, there's. There's drama, uh, like there's there's effects for like an explosion, which probably most special effects people are used to doing. But yeah, when you're making a comedy, it's like it's got to be funny. Uh, we had a uh, we didn't have the budget for fire, but we definitely had a giant splatter of bird shit on the window on my car when it's it's been in. Uh, in the in the movie I'm talking about, and uh, it had been in the impound lot for a couple of weeks, so we wanted to show that you know it's it's really been pretty abused. And uh, <laughs> we show up, and this is not talking bad about anybody in, involved with that process, but we had this giant piece of bird shit on the windshield that no, I've never seen a bird that 
right that big and if it was it was it was like it was like a flying human that just yeah. left a lot of dr- like but a, i know did that, you have a deep moment a about, about the bird shit is that where this is going well and i know that the props person is probably going well we want to read on camera for the wide shots and stuff but it all depends on you know but yeah. if you, if your bird shit is too big this is the kind of problems that I know. we have <laughs> it, then, then people are going to be like well i'm i'm out i i don't I don't think there would ever be a bird that makes it. I so mean, we just did without the bird shit. Ironically, bird shit doesn't work if it's not grounded. You That's know right. I mean? you got to yeah. keep it grounded. It's got to be real bird shit. It's got to look <laughs> like it's... It's got to feel and true. it's got to be the right that color. That poor guy collected all that bird shit for so long. <laughs> you could have stopped him 50 bird shits ago. Yeah, but it, it really is true. Like, you, you can go too far or not enough, and you really don't know 100% until you're actually shooting, and then you're looking at it on camera, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that... That bird shit's not going to work, and and also I know as a as a film watcher myself, very small things can take me out of it completely. Mm-hmm. Just all of a sudden, I look at something, especially in comedy. Oh yeah, I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? Nobody would ever say that. Yes, fuck yeah. you. I don't believe I'm Denise out. Richards has oh. a college yeah. degree. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I call it I call it pilot season, by the way. Which yeah. is, every show should just be called. No one would ever say that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and again, it's sort of like we were talking about the guitar comics. If you were making fun of the genre, then that would be a perfect name for your pilot. Yeah, um, and it'd be bu- it'd be brilliant. But yeah, I mean, um, th- those kind of things can really take you out of it. So you're constantly that. That's a fascinating thing about this uh, the special effects guy. I love that kind of stuff. There was a, a sequence that I don't want to spoil, but I wanted to ask you about because I found it sort of interesting. You seem, I'm guessing, you seem like a mild mannered person, yeah. Henry. I don't think that's a that's a pose. Absolutely. So there's a, a, an extended sequence where you get into a disagreement with the taxi dispatcher yeah. played by Doug Stanhope, mm-hmm. and at one point you tell him to go fuck himself. Yes. And it seemed like for you and for the character that is not a point that you would get to very readily yeah. or, or, or very often. And it's funny to me that I feel people very casually say, oh, no, you know, I've got my line. And don't worry, I'll, I'll have no trouble telling yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah. Everybody is very uh, ready to tell you that they have no trouble telling people anything. And I'm sure, I know there are fistfights happening all over the world as we speak, but in the kind of circles that I run in, nobody that I know ever tells anybody to go fuck themselves. To go fuck go themselves. Fuck now, I actually yeah. wanted to ask the room. It when, might have been it, a little bit the, harsh. When is the last time that you actually told somebody, not from <laughs> behind your, your steering wheel, go right. fuck yourself? Well, somehow when, when Doug says it back to me, it totally works. <laughs> like, it just makes oh, I completely believe he sense. says go yeah, fuck yeah. yourself yeah. to people. And, and I, I do want to say uh, that, that that entire sequence is based on a completely true story. And my memory of the real story is hating this cab dispatcher so much. And um, wait, when is this movie set? Because we're talking about a cab dispatcher. Yeah, well, it's it's set <laughs> in 2014 <laughs> when I told you we were making it. I know, but yeah, yeah. What's a cab dispatch? Like, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the last time I called well, a cab dispatcher. Oh yeah, no, that used to be a big argument that I'd get in all yeah. the time. It, you call the, when you call the cab, it's the yeah. guy answering the phone. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, to quibble I mean, with, with, with when you're waiting an hour and it's yeah. raining and it's like three in the morning, yeah. and then at, at one point you're like, well, "Where's this cab, man?" Right. I did notice in the movie you you. Uh, call people a lot and people call you a lot and yeah. that in and of itself was a slightly jarring note of using a phone as a phone mm-hmm. that's true well and also the, I want to say it could be a very LA specific thing this whole cab thing And I don't um, think so I doubt it no. well back east you're not going to call a cab and wait right. an hour for a cab is what I'm saying it's really anywhere outside of New York City I, yeah that's probably or, or Chicago yeah. basically yeah 
which doesn't exist. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, this really happened, yeah. this scene. Because I was, I was about to say, when, when you said it, this is based on a true story. And to your point, Mike, like, when was the last time I did that? I can't remember. I know I've done it, and I know it was with a customer service person, but I don't know. Oh, I talk a big game when I'm mm-hmm. talking to. Oh, yeah. Well, they. Yeah. I also don't get any, I don't get more mad than when I'm talking to those people. But, you know, whatever. Um, usually because I'm in my car and I'm hot, whatever. But, uh no, if if you if that hadn't if that wasn't based on a true story yeah. and you wrote that into your movie, it mm-hmm. you wouldn't be it wouldn't be a good script. Well, yeah, no, you it's it's I mean? all like, got to come from a real place, and that way, if anybody calls bullshit, you can say, "All right, well, I'll explain more about it if you want." Right, but yeah. this is I'll all real stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, the go fuck yourself. Uh, I so so you want to go into the conversation about what is the moment when you when you pull mm-hmm. out the boiling point where you pull out the go well, fuck yourself. Well, because it's over then. That's yeah. like the Oh yeah, it's you're, it's over. That's when you're like and, and, I'm not going to get help anymore. And it's where I hung up on the guy and I'm like I never want to see this guy again. Yeah. And I'm pretty frustrated because my car has been stolen on day 1 of having this, you know, and I'm getting yelled at by a guy who's wondering uh well, we, we won't go into too much detail about it, but he's he's giving me a pretty hard time and I'm kind of over it. And that's that's the end. It's mm-hmm. go fuck yourself, I'm done. Because go fuck uh, yourself in that context means I'm walking home. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. You know? So do you think that the, the real-life events that inspired that sequence might be the last time you you told somebody to fuck themselves? Um, I'm trying to think. Oh! When, okay. Julian I remember McCullough? mine. Yeah. Go, yeah. But go ahead. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, well, and also there, there's your movie character, uh, you know, where you're playing up certain aspects. But in real mm-hmm. life, everybody has a lot of rough-around-the-edges kind of moments. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've had some go-fuck-yourself moments. <laughs> You seem, but Henry, you seem like you, uh, and I could be wrong. I would this. say very softly. You have softly. like a silent simmer. <laughs> I feel like you got a silent simmer where you can snap, but maybe you, maybe you're not a snapper. You can got. I've snapped. Yeah, yeah. on the plane. I, I certainly wouldn't say it to uh, anybody like a, a uh, what do you call it, a gate agent at a right. at an airport or something like that, because yeah. I have to see that person again. Th- that's winning a battle on the phone. The it's a little bit easier to do and hang up. Right. Especially if they're being really un- unreasonable. Um, oh well, mine was at the comedy store uh, when years ago when Tommy was his name, the guy that uh, he was like the manager that would like pass people like you would audition for him. Okay, and, oh that's uh, a good guy to yeah tell the well fuck himself. Well, he goes, I got recommended by uh, Mark Marin, Dave Attell, and Whitney Cummings, and I walk in and he's like, "All right, you're gonna do. I'm going on with like in, fr- in the middle of 25 people. You know, not crowd. I mean like." There's the lineup is 25 people, right? And he comes over to me and he goes, uh, great to see you. Uh, you're going to do two and a half, three minutes. I'll let you at two and a half, then wrap it up and have fun. That's what he said. Yeah, really, uh, really you, flesh it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm not exaggerating that number. Like, what are you? I've never done. Have no fun. one's ever done two and a half oh, to yeah, three yeah, minutes. It, it's not a, it's yeah. not a real amount of time. I yeah. did that at a, at a bringer at the comedy show. It's the only time I've really? been on stage in, in the main room. I mean, you just, you, the, 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 phone, the light goes up the second you say hello. Yeah. Yeah. Seconds are sort of like gold. You know, it's sort of like that's they're giving that out to you. So I go up and I do fine. You know, I, don't, I did I did better than fine, but not great. But you can't even get to great in two and a half minutes. I mean, oh, yeah. if you, unless you're ready days ahead and you're like, oh, I know what bit to just come out of the gate with or whatever, you know. So but it goes it goes well. And um, he goes to talk to me afterwards and he gives me this speech about, um, oh, we like to foster a community here. So you got to hang out with the open micers and stuff. And I've been doing comedy for, you know, 12 years at this point and was in L.A. because I was on a show. 
you know, and he's telling me to hang out with the open micers at the comedy store. And it's like, I don't, I did that in New York. You know, I've just, I just performed at the cellar every night for five years and you're going to, I go, I have a, I have a baby and I live across town. You want me to come down here and hang out with open micers? (laughs) Yeah. And I brought up the cellar on purpose because they told me not to. And he pissed me off because he was, he had the thing about like competition with the cellar in New York. Okay. So I, I, what? You look worried. No, no, I'm just still having trouble wrapping my brain around uh, all of the various like gang allegiances that flow. Oh, um, that, oh, that, that, that why are, do I just assume you've been doing comedy for ten years every time? <laughs> I, don't I have know why. no idea. I'm a babe in the woods. <laughs> okay. I'm just I just constantly hear people bitching about things right. that I'm trying to yeah. figure out how it, how the whole network makes sense. Well, the point is he 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 basically played me off like uh, like I had walked in off the street. Yeah, and it I just. You know, when I realized that's what he was doing and I had wasted my time coming out there, then I just I went from like zero to 100 and basically said, oh, well, I don't fucking want to work here. So thanks. If this is your, if you're the guy, then I don't want to I don't want you to tell me I'm good enough. And I walked out and um, now he doesn't book it anymore. So I might try again. We'll see. But yeah. And I know that that's the other thing is like you're not proud of that because then it's like, oh, my ego just got completely in the way well maybe yeah, yes maybe no i can see both sides there's of gotta it. be yeah. a different there, but I mean, we, we would all love to be just one of those egoless uh yeah. people that's just like okay man all right good like like louis ck I mean, my, apparently my bar, my bar for getting mad ego wise is pretty high like you gotta yeah you gotta well and that guy yes now louis ck famously i as of a couple of years ago still went in to audition for Mitzi over at the comedy store and and would get rejected and it mm. got to be and he's already selling out thousand Mitzi, at least thousand seat theaters yeah but he would just sort of do it as a joke you know but oh, yeah. it's just like oh okay all right well <laughs> you know and and so i think you can you can brush it off in that case but yeah no it's like you've you're coming all the way across town and then getting this kind of shaft yeah no i've had that i I had a gig where the guy, uh, I was on stage and uh, they the, the people were throwing chairs at me. And I, what? I, yeah, it was about a minute and a half in. I don't want to go too much into the wait, story. Wait, wait, but, what uh, context? Okay, this, we've okay got, well, we've I'll, got an I'll hour, tell you. That's what it's going to be about. <laughs> <Mike> pre- <laughs> okay, well, here, here you go. Apparently so, Mike knows so little about comedy. He's like, I guess that happens. <laughs> well, basically, there was this guy uh, at this club in Santa Monica. It was a music sort of all-purpose club. It wasn't really a comedy club. Yeah, well, there's savages out there. Yeah, and this guy's idea was he was going to bus in all these USC students to watch the USC game, the football game, and uh, and he didn't want to have any time in between the game and me going on and being the comedian because that was going to be keeping them in their seats and keeping them drinking right. without getting restless or whatever. But he overcompensated. He's apparently not a big football fan. He was a British guy, if I remember correctly, and... Uh, he literally stopped the game before it was over and then <laughs> told me to go out there. Oh. And and I was only a couple years into comedy at this point and I had I had this idealistic idea that I was going to do this kind of uh, sucker punch thing where I would do like a minute and a half as though I'm just like a real you know, folk singer thing. And then I'm going to eventually get into the part where they suddenly start going, oh, I get it. We're I being love, put on right now. I love yeah. these stories of when we're starting out and you, yeah. you, you misread a room yeah, yeah. so bad that it's like... This was awful. Well, that, and that's kind of all I had at that time, too, because I was doing, like, these coffee house gigs where everybody, like, pays attention. And this was just impossible. And for the first minute, people are just stunned. <laughs> they're just like staring and just like what in the fuck happened to our game yeah and then a couple people started getting loud and then one guy threw a chair 
I don't think it was intended to hit me. It, it hit the drum set that was behind me. Whoa. That was like for the band that was going to play later. And then the bouncer came out and started uh, throwing people off the stage. And then I was like, I'm going to let you guys work this out, and then I'm going to get off the stage. And so I walked off. I was supposed to get a hundred bucks to do that show. Obviously. I didn't do the show, and so it's debatable whether I should get my hundred bucks or not. But I tried. Who won the game? Uh, actually, that's the thing. USC did win, and I think that either way, yeah, they that were was pissed. working for you. Yeah, I did. A, I did a show the other night immediately following the college football national championship game, and I don't. I follow sports, but I don't follow college sports. And I was just like, "Go team! This bar is rooting for." Yeah, yeah that's yeah, the yeah. only thing that matters here. That's in this right. Place. And I, so, yeah, I just remember the last time I said it for real, for real. Okay. I was in a bar fight. Like, oh, okay, there we go. Right before Christmas, um, and I don't know how it's I. It's either on this. the phone or in a bar fight. Those yeah. are the two situations where you. It was, say it. I, I'll, and you know, you've heard every fight story there is by now. But I was in a bar in the East Village, and um, this guy, I was standing next to my chair, and my chair had my jacket on the back of it. I'd only been there for like twenty minutes, and this guy walks up and just sits in the chair, and I'm like standing like. Almost like it's my girlfriend. That's how close to this chair I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've and, claimed uh, it. Yeah, that's obvious. And he just sits in it, and I go, "Oh, dude, that's my that's my seat." Like I was just about to sit down again. He goes, he looked at me. He goes, "No, it's not." And he just ordered a drink. So I go, "Well, except that's my jacket on the back." And so he just flipped. The, you know how some guys can just the way they say a line to you, you're just like, "Oh, I can't yeah, control yeah. this anymore." So he does that to me immediately. He goes. It, when he said like no you're no it's not to me about my seat and i was like i can't believe this but i can't yeah, yeah, control yeah. myself over a seat yeah yeah so he orders his drink they bring their she brings a drink and i go you got to get up dude and he goes no i go this is my jacket right here and he goes this one and he gets out of the seat takes my jacket off the seat and drops it on the ground and he got in we got into it for a little while and nothing major happened in the bar but the bouncer threw me out onto the street on my back and i broke my collarbone damn yeah yeah, so it's like uh, so that's so what happened. You're just when I... remembering the time you broke your collarbone. Yeah, I just forgot that I broke my collarbone, and it still hurts a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, but, I, I, and but I, yeah, that's what I get for telling somebody to go fuck themselves. Yeah. in real life, it's never that guy's first rodeo. No, and and to get really specific, we're paraphrasing "go fuck yourself" because, and this is an issue I have. Is technically, you, it's impossible to fuck oneself, right? It's one of the dumber insults we've got. Yeah, what does it come? I from? think I think it's probably more of an insult to tell somebody you can't go fuck yourself <laughs> right because you're reminding them that it's impossible for them to do i was talking incapable of something to uh maz jabrani on this show recently and he made the point that um in persian uh um, farsi it, whatever mm-hmm. that uh the they have very specific insults which tend to tell you exactly what to go do which is <laughs> a, a possible thing to do but a thing that no one would ever <laughs> choose hilarious. to do and that their curses are therefore superior to yeah, ours ours are very emotional and yeah. don't make a lot of sense yeah no they don't and that's why we have my favorite one was in I was, I was at san francisco punchline and uh i there was a guy heckling or whatever and the club was kicking him out and uh there was this bouncer guy who was a badass, a tough guy, and he was uh, also gay. And uh, that was the guy who worked for the punchline. Mm-hmm. And they were, he was struggling to get these guys out. And at one point, one of the dudes, uh, the, the bouncer was bald. <laughs> and one of the dudes uh, who's getting kicked out yells while he's getting kicked out by this bouncer guy. He's like, I'll shove that bald head right up my fucking ass. <laughs> and it's like, and then the bouncer guy's laughing at it. He's like, "Ooh, that sounds interesting." Yeah, but it's like, what the, what the hell? Yeah. The stuff that comes out of people's mouths. It reminds that's, me that's... of a movie scene from Cruising. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that is one of my fears in in fights too. Is in somebody shoves bald head up your ass <laughs> in, in confrontations like that, where if you're a dude that's not a confrontational dude, and you start to get emotional and angry, and then you got to start yelling stuff, you mm-hmm. don't yell. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shit like that. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, even exactly. almost more embarrassing than yeah. losing the fight. Is the guys being who, like, I'll suck yeah. your fucking dick. The, the guys yeah, yeah. Who go there, yeah. I, I, I've been around enough of these people to know the guys who go there are constantly rehearsing that scenario in yeah, their mind. Yeah. So if, oh, you're yeah, gonna, yeah. if you're gonna, if you're going to go show up like a person on day one of improv class to somebody like that, you are going to get schooled multiple yeah, ways. Well, they'll be yeah, taxi driver. They, they they sit in front of their mirror and say, "You talking to me?" <laughs> they're, they're already they got the whole thing. Yeah, rehearsed. they've got they've got catchphrases. They probably yeah, have yeah. trademarks. <laughs> What's the funniest uh, specific thing that f- people tell you to do in Farsi could, that you can remember? Oh, I think it was more about um, you You would prefer to have sex with unattractive goats kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of that stuff. As opposed to nice. Cla- yeah, classic, yeah. old yeah. school. You know, funny. these are ancient civilizations. They really yeah. had time to think about this. <laughs> We've got modern ones, you know, like, you know, I hope you get rejected from a loan. At a bank, <laughs> <laughs> that'll really piss people off. It's so crazy that we have we generate so much more slang. I feel like we're actually uh, not good slang. Slang's getting worse and worse, but there's more and more of it. At least mm-hmm. so the internet tells me. And yet the same curses after all this time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's to do with well, douche is kind of new. I mean, relatively speaking, is it? Douchebag, relative to um, fucking well, and no, no, shitting. maybe not new. I, oh, you I mean do... it's not thousands of years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah, like, yeah, fuck? yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, relatively new, but it's it's become a great word for people because you can just throw it out there, and nobody can really figure out who you're actually um, degrading when you say it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to make a rebuttal to a thing that made no sense in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fir- I think the reason the cur- the the cussing doesn't change much mm-hmm. is is the emotional impact of the sounds of those words. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's cacophony. Like, mm-hmm. It's it's is that what the word is that the yeah? It's like a hard sounding yeah. It's like when, syllable when Patrice said uh, Patrice O'Neill said uh, you know when you're writing a joke if it if the if the punchline ends in a car don't say fucking Chevrolet say Buick. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, it's yeah. Like that, that whole thing and you know Buick and fuck. It's like they're the yeah, same. Yeah. So I think it's like hard to. Um, what do you call it? Improve on... Yeah, and that probably brings us full circle. That's why cocksucker's so good, and, you know... Probably the real reason that we said go fuck yourself in the movie. I mean, and and it's actually a good point, because you're you're kind of writing jokes at the same time that you're writing dialogues, so sometimes you're going to have a little bit of a back and forth with that. We are talking to Julian McCullough and Henry Phillips. Henry's new motion picture, Pun- Punching Henry, is streaming online now. Yeah. Amazon, iTunes, Xbox, all that stuff. Henry, you mentioned that you went on a date recently. Okay. Yeah. So I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I, I really. Uh, well, now, cur- currently I'm in a relationship. It's been a couple years. I'm only saying that in case she's listening. But uh, <laughs> no, in my single days, I remember uh, being set up with a. Uh, a lady who was an entertainment lawyer, actually. And so I have a first movie called Punching the Clown that came out back in uh, 2010. That was more of a document, not a document. Was it a uh, It had more of that style. It was a little bit, it was much more low budget and stuff like that. But was but it, it was scripted? a precursor. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. it was. All right. um, but but yeah, it, it had, a, a lot of people assumed it was a documentary. But um, so uh, that was out and... Uh, I remember going out with this girl uh, on this date that we had been set up with, and she was a very uh, different type of personality. She was uh, 
financially stable. Uh, she was attractive. Uh, there were a lot. She had a lot going on, and so uh, yeah. Any sense to and me. so I know. And I'm going. I'm, I'm going on you're a date to- with her. You're saying total opposites. She's yeah. attractive and financially stable. <laughs> exactly. But the uh, the irony is that yeah, I'm about to go buy dinner for somebody who makes about ten times as much money as I did back at that time, and so she. Um, Tells me, I saw your movie. This is when she gets in the car. Um, it was very cringeworthy. This um, is right off the bat? Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. I I feel like comedy is all about bravado. It's about banging your chest. It's about showing your peacock feathers. This is your time to shine. Like, you know, and then she brings up like Russell Brand or Dane Cook and all this other stuff. And I'm not putting them down, but I'm just going like, wow, that's... That's very contrary to what what I find funny and yeah. also what I do. But I'm just like, why does she think that that's what comedy is? And and certainly she basically is telling me that she hated my movie when I'm yeah. about to buy her a dinner. <laughs> and why does she have such a, I just a, highly, stopped. a highly developed sense yeah, of no. what works in, yeah, in comedy? I, I get the feeling she had this opinion about a lot of different things. But um Anyway, yeah, not only was I insulted, but I also thought about it a lot. And I was just like, well, to me, what I find funny is failure or human foibles or just people being bad at at things. You know, it's like when you when you watch, uh, I don't know, Pink Panther or something, Peter Sellers. It's not like he's this perfectly competent, you know, has everything in an order. And it's a comedy, you know. You want to mm-hmm. watch, and there's so many movies since that. That's the first one that came well, to my mind. Well, she was basically saying Andrew Dice Clay is the best comedian of all yeah, time. Yeah, you know, and it's like... He's not the worst, but... Yeah, and... Carrot Top is fairly peacocky as well. <laughs> yeah. But I've always found uh, a hilarious... Uh, I used to love Gary Shandling. Well, even when I was too young to be, like, on the dating scene, I would see him on The Tonight Show, to, and I was like, this is exactly how it would go for me if I was, if I was dating, and it would always be <laughs> just, like, these completely born-to-lose situations, you know, about, you know, uh, you know... We just stayed home and argued about which one of us was more disappointed in each other, in the other one, you know, and stuff like that. Or yeah. when you wake up with a girl and she looks like Ed Sullivan and, you know, she's telling you to take a bow and all this. Like, I, I used to laugh so hard at his complete and utter failure in that scene. And also Albert Brooks, it's the same kind of thing. And then, I mean, there's so many more. I mean, it's like Chris Farley, you know, those Bob movies. Newhart. I was going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, go all Bob the way Newhart. back to, to, yeah, that guy did not, he never alpha'd a stage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's exactly right. And he it's baited like, the shit out of people. He's, he's so the I don't know if it's just two opposing opinions, but I think that even when you watch um, comedians that do have this bravado that she's talking about, somehow or another... If they're not talking about themselves, they're talking about the human foibles in others, and that's what we're laughing at. I mean, somehow or another, there's failure there. And it's I, always that's... weird for me when, when comics uh, win in their jokes. Yeah. I'm like, why do I want to watch this guy talk about something dumb somebody else oh, said, man. and then he said something great? Exactly. Like, and also, it's like, great. I want the transcript. I want to yeah, see, exactly. yeah. Also, that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Video or it didn't happen, <laughs> as the kids say. Um, so what? How expensive was this dinner? Uh, I think it was about one hundred and seventeen dollars. Uh, <laughs> about it was a tapas tapas restaurant. Oh, oh really? That's uh, a lot of small bites. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fig and olive. Yeah, kind of yeah. Went. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it it really kind of made me think. Ever since then, I was just like, you know, what in the hell is like? As as soon as I started, because I used to tell my friends uh, these stories about things that would happen to me. Either it's like, oh yeah, they would be talking about, oh that manager, he's a he's a big 
uh, manager, you should talk to him. It's like, yeah, I met that guy and kind of put my foot in the mouth and then whatever I said, I, I mentioned some joke about AIDS and it was awful <laughs> and it's just like, you know, whatever it was, but people, my friends would just laugh at how clumsy and stupid I was when it was in important situations. <laughs> and then, but but what's ironic is at that time, during my act, I was basically just doing these kind of straight ahead, you know, comedic approach to jokes and stuff like that. But it was somewhere around... Like observational. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And And... And somewhere around uh, like the late 2000s, right about when we made that first movie, I just uh, I was like, why don't I go with what what everybody thinks is funny about me individually? And that you're and that's what that you're it terrible. Was. Yeah, life. exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, well, and, well and, now it's a movie franchise, so yeah. yeah. And I, I, I started getting uh, just much more laughs on stage, and then talking about embarrassing situations. I I think there is something about seeing somebody who's worse at life than you are. That makes you laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why kids are cruel to, you know, the the kids that that suck. I don't know, um, but that's, that's <laughs> you can quote me on that. No, I mean that's why that's why people laugh. They just like to, you know. And so after I started uh, going for that, then I started feeling like I was getting a more legitimate kind of unique voice that started developing out of what I was doing. And so when when I heard. Uh, that lawyer say that I was like oh wow there's this whole demographic of people that don't agree with that at all like she she literally thinks that comedy is about strutting your stuff and going out there and being loud and uh, smart and mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe angry at how stupid everybody is or whatever and obviously any conversation about what comedy is there's exceptions all over the place I can think of plenty of mean comics that are hilarious you know I'm just saying for me personally that I always like it when it's a little bit of a combination of somebody who knows a little bit more about observation, but also puts themselves down in the process. Well, the, the worst the worst part about that story is uh, that you're like, well, I can recommend you a bunch of dudes that you <laughs> yeah, love to yeah, go yeah. on a date with. <laughs> I'm yeah, friends, I'm pretty much with a lot of guys that everybody that yeah shit on everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And tell you how great they are. Well, that's right. probably what you wound up with. Probably. Hey, uh, Julian, you taped a stand-up special. I did, yeah. Right? On, and it, uh, if memory serves, was that was that three days after the election? Oh, it was... That's a good point. It was November... Tw- Wait. When, oh, yeah, because it's the 8th, right? The the election? Uh, or the 9th or whatever? Blocked. Yeah, I think, it, I think it was the 8th. Isn't the 8th or 9th? Yeah, yeah, so it's probably the 12th. Yeah, so it was the 12th. I taped it on the 12th. Wow. And, I, and I went in... In, and, in 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 Los Angeles in Southern California. Yeah, it was exactly. Uh, this was on that was in Venice or in Santa Monica actually. Wait, no, Venice. It was in Venice, and um, the old steel town of Venice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had the, I had an opener do like you know announcements in like five minutes. This awesome, really sweet guy who's very funny he owns this, the Westside Comedy Theater. He's one oh, of the owners, yeah. Chris Gorbos. Great spot by the way. And he, uh, I asked him to do it, and he, I said. Listen, I'm not. I can't change my act now. Like it's, you know, I have to do this hour. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So I go, and I don't really. Do, I I have a new joke about the election, but I don't. I'm not comfortable doing it on this special. Mm-hmm. I go, so you just have to like call out the elephant in the room and be like, mm-hmm. you know, sorry. Let me whisk you back to a world. Yeah, the exactly. world yeah, of yeah. One, <laughs> The world of one week ago. He's like, Absolutely. He's, he's like, he went up down to the crowd and he was like, we realize that the world is different now and <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. is about to burn. But if we could just forget that for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Bring out the t-shirt cannon, fire yeah. people up. 
Um, and then the reality is people probably were welcoming that because that's oh, yeah, literally were... every other aspect of your life is inundated with that. It's like, let's let's give our, you know, let's give ourselves a break. Here. Right. Well, plus my style, I'm very like, um, I'm, I have a lot of bravado and I beat my chest and I yeah. peacock a lot. So they were really. <laughs> peacock. <laughs> I just like to it. picture this comic uh, doing the peacock dance. Oh, that's Chris D'Elia. Oh, okay. Uh, but I, um. <laughs> Oh, so talking about how you like that's I'm fascinated. And if we're talking about comedy too much, you can just trash this episode. But uh, <laughs> listen, listening to Henry talk about that shift that you make sometimes later after you've been doing comedy for a while where you're like, why am I not? Louis talks about that famously as well, that he was yeah. he was successful as a guy that was doing jokes about the bank for like 10 years. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then one day. He was sitting, I'm paraphrasing a, a story, but he was like sitting outside a club and his career was like stalled and he was just kind of, I don't remember if he was upset about he's just got married or I don't know what it was, but he's like, I'm just going to go in there and say everything I really think and I'm not going to try and be funny. I'm just going to say what I really think. Mm-hmm. And it changed. He, it was the first night he called his daughter a cunt <laughs> and, and the crowd went, they loved it. And he was like, oh, I'm on to something here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, <clears throat> I'm like... I feel like I'm kind of due for that well, right now. I've been doing set. it for like 14 years. But like the the taboo subject. Well, I really... What do you call your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, all call them cunts now. Yeah, I mean, Louis the started worst, the whole thing. I do something much, much more <laughs> damaging, which is I call her a different name every time I see her. There you go. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like a person, like a different girl's name. No, like I understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, that, that'll, that'll bear some strange fruit down the road. It will, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, but I'm like, for the first time in my adult life, really, like, not knowing what I'm going to do about money. Like, I'm freaking mm-hmm. out. I have no money. And it's, like, really hard to say that out loud, especially yeah. in a business where perception is everything. So it's like, if if you don't have any money, like, you must not be doing well or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when open micers start, a lot of their jokes are about being broke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's about I, how tiny mm-hmm. or shitty my apartment is. Yeah. It's like, yes. but it's I can tell like, you they talk about Tinder as well. I mean, I can I can okay. tell you what's down in the them recently. I'm saying financial insecurity is something that is well tread in the beginning of your career. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's like fine because everybody knows that you're 21 and like you're supposed to be broke. Yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why those jokes are kind of stale. What I haven't seen. No, is I see where you're going with this. Yeah, joke. yeah. Guy, with a kid and, you know, career. 14 years in the business going, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so I, I like haven't it. had the guts to talk about that yet on stage. But I think, like, if I don't, then I'm really just pretending to be a comedian. I'm not. Yeah. You know? And think about how many people you're relating to also. I mean, yeah. it's like, geez. I, I like... I, People that won't un- won't be able to I mean, afford I mean, your I mean, special, unfortunately. Most people yeah. can't even afford tickets to your show. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other than that, they'll hear it from they, the outside. Yeah. I know. <laughs> they warm themselves by oboe fires. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. That reminds me, I did a show at the at the Brentwood Country Club one time, and uh, I I did I have this old story about when my appendix burst in my body, and this surgery cost me forty five thousand dollars, and the whole point of the joke is how much money that is and i yelled out and i and i gave, i said forty five thousand dollars and this woman in the middle of the room just goes that's it because <laughs> it was the brentwood country club yeah yeah so like that really was not a lot of money to her and i was like that's wow. my rent at the time was sixteen hundred dollars yeah. so to give you an idea right i go also why does she have to yell that i mean that's just she wasn't it wasn't a heckle it wasn't yeah. it was genuine mm. it was like shock because i build it up so big like it's going to be this huge number mm-hmm. yes and then she was just emotionally like yeah yeah it was that's just, it? like it was yeah. just like, like a knee jerk response let them eat let them eat cake yeah exactly so i tried to relate it to uh how much rent i 
I owed every month and yeah. how it was like 40 months of rent. Mm-hmm. And I go, that's like if your hospital bill was 40 years or 40 months of your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. And then they all kind of like tittered. And I was like, oh, that's right. Nobody in this room has a mortgage. What the <laughs> fuck am I talking about? Like, that's how out of touch yeah. those people are. They paid cash for everything. That's right. Um, that actually touches on something that I think the the movie touches on, which I think every entertainer has to grapple with at some point, which is the intersection of art and commerce mm-hmm. and yeah. keeping it real. Yeah. Sometimes some people just can can be themselves and can strike a chord with the. I think it is totally possible to be humongously successful and to be doing totally yeah. honest work, whether it's music or or comedy or whatever. But at a certain point, you do become a fully grown man and you have responsibilities and uh, maybe have children or something yeah. like that. And how how do you – the movie obviously deals with that. How do you reconcile how far will you go to, to make a living? I think it, a lot of people find it easy to say, well, uh, if, as long as I'm doing okay doing what I like, I'll take that over the millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But what about when it's you're not doing okay when doing you're, right. When you're really destitute. Yeah. No, I mean, then, then I say just do something else. But it's like I, – I honestly think that – it's not just art versus commerce. I'll bet there's uh, doctors out there that are that, that are. There's one one guy who sold out by you know, you know, talking people into getting procedures that they shouldn't get oh, yeah. or whatever. Just dirty stuff like that, or, or you know, whatever, taking money from pharmaceutical companies. And then there's the one general family doctor who's just like, ah, you know, I don't like doing all that stuff. I'm, there's the there's yeah. the Henry Phillips doctor guy, who's just <laughs> yeah. living out of his car and just yeah. like, ah, boy. Yeah. No, but I'm not a pen honest, on a... There's an honest doctor that, <laughs> that only has a 12-foot boat. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. But, uh, but I think that it's something that everybody has to deal with. But uh, over the years, for me, it's always been, I want, now I'm going to get really deep and, and use a quote that I'd I think I'm even misquoting, but I think somebody told me that Marcus Aurelius once said, uh, seek only the approval of those whom you respect. And whoever said it, it's great. Because it's like, I just always wanted my peers to like me, you know? And I always wanted uh, to f- to feel good about, uh, you know, what, what, what I'm doing. There have been times when, uh, especially as a guitar comic, where people will sort of uh, label you and just go, oh, could you do, um, we're trying to rip off the freecreditreport.com guy. <laughs> Can you do our low budget, low rent version of that and yeah. we'll pay you like $10,000 or something like that. Now, I'm not saying I got that gig, but I remember auditioning for it for sure. <laughs> Hell yeah, you did. And um, I'm surprised they couldn't just get the guy that did the freecreditreport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I remember when I was, a friend of mine was the person who was working for the casting people, and they and she thought of me, and then I went in there, but I just remember going, I don't want to do this. I don't want my friends to see me doing this. This yeah. is embarrassing. And times aren't so bad for me that I need that. My life is, is not going to change that much if I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to feel bad about it. So I remember when I was done with the audition, telling um, the casting people, you know what, I don't think... I'm right for this, but I know people that are perfect for it, and you need to call them. You need to have mm-hmm. them in. Oh, yeah. I did and, a show out in Ontario yeah. with a guy who does a song about Lamar Odom to the tune of a Kid Rock song. Oh, yeah? He killed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I know Wait, people- Wait, Lamar Odom doesn't sound anything like Bawa to Ba. How does, that doesn't make any sense. But I think that they were, I mean, I can only assume I could be wrong, but I think that they were a little bit taken aback, because who tries to talk- 
the casting people into getting somebody else. Yeah. Right. In in the Hollywood version, that gets you the gig. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Exactly. In, yeah. It's it's like the Shawshank Redemption at the end. The, yeah. the speech yeah. with uh, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman. But oh uh, yes, you ought to let him yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. No, I I think that if if you're not enjoying what you're doing, and and there's varying levels of it. There's I'll sell out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but not not to a point where my face is all over something that I think is embarrassing. Well, you know, it's the reason that th- I think this whole thing has that I was just complaining, but not complaining about, but like saying I'm freaked out about with money wise mm-hmm. is because you know in our business you can get into this like uh, feast or famine thing, right? Where you have like four or five great years, and then and then your the cost of your lifestyle gets so big mm-hmm. because it, it matches what you're making. Nobody, I mean, nobody that's got a wife anyway stays, yeah. stays under what they can afford. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my life, uh, I, I had a, a few really good years. And um, and one of the jobs that was providing me with the most of that money was a job that I was very embarrassed about. And so it's kind of interesting that it kind of – me just saying, yeah, great, I'll, I'll fucking do it. I don't care, mm-hmm. you know. Ha- I, even though I thought that the money was great at the time, it ended up costing me more money than yeah. if I had never taken it. Because now my life is so expensive because I thought I was going to have that kind of money oh, for the yeah, rest of yeah. my life. And now, you know, rents and cars and all that stuff is oh, so yeah. much higher that, like, it's like if I had just said no to this shit gig, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never would be in this position today. Yeah, and once you, you get know? used to the boar's head, it's hard to go back to the thing. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, stay, stay with Dietz and Watson until yeah. you're, <laughs> you're really ready. Well, I, I have a really leg up. Because... Totally, really existed. <laughs> <laughs> I have an advantage because I've always been broke. You think those aren't real guys? Come on, they gotta be real guys. Ben and Jerry's real guys. I've always been broke, so I don't know what I'm missing out on. I guess so. Uh, that's that's good. I got that going for me. Lobster rolls mostly. Yeah, lobster rolls are really good. They're very buttery. Mm-hmm. They're also and they're uh, creamy dollars. and they're rich. And <laughs> well, every you once in a while, three or four of them. Nobody does I it, know, but you could I know, easily, you absolutely, easily do that. This is pretty ironic about the life of a comic. Every once in a while, regardless of what your financial situation is, you'll find yourself in a situation where you are eating. Lobster rolls. That oh you, yeah, you would never. Like, well, like when I did the Brentwood Country Club. I was yeah, yeah, rich exactly. Yeah, it. it was like for I got one hired. night you're a member. I was you know, next to they eat the food. Oh yeah, I sat next oh, yeah. to Mark Spitz, uh, Olympic wow. swimmer Mark Spitz, yeah. and he goes. We all sat down. He goes, "Hi, everybody. I'm Mark Spitz." <laughs> <laughs> That's his opener. Yeah, just, Let's just get this out of the way right uh, now. Yeah. Well, it's been working I'm, since the late seventies. Why I'm quit? Better now. than any oh, of man. you guys. No, but yeah, like like when you do. I used to do the gig uh, at the Improv, which uh, in Vegas, which isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, or, or you get treated or like a in, king, yeah, right? in Tahoe, where they give you uh, a full. It's like seventy five dollars that you have to spend every right. day. On food, and it doesn't roll over, so you literally have to spend it. It's like Brewster's it. Millions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, I guess I'm having the lobster roll then, otherwise it's a waste. But so, yeah, every now and then you get a little bit of that. All right, well, we are out of time. I will encourage you guys to help yourselves to all of the uh, free waters and pretzels you can get your hands on your way up. Absolutely. The door. I've, I'm, a, I'm already up one cup of coffee that was pretty damn good, so that's good. I thank you guys both very much for thank joining you. me. Henry Phillips, you are at HenLips on Twitter. The motion picture Punching Henry is streaming online now. Julian McCullough, you are Julian McCullough on Instagram. Jules Mac with a Z on Twitter. The podcast Julian Loves Music. Anything else? No. Uh, our movie's oh. out in theaters too. So in New York, uh, we're going to be uh, AMC Forty Second Street. So, but you can check all that stuff out. 
Mar- used to be a fun neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. March 18th, I'll be at the Cherokee Casino in Tulsa doing my podcast live with Karen Kilgariff. So that'll be great. Oh, awesome. 